You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm here to recap some SEC spring action. My goodness, Saturday felt like a game day, the first in many a months here, kind of felt back to normal with fans in the stands, and you know, it just felt like a normal game day, man, it, and it was fantastic. Seven spring games, so much action. Had to go back and watch each one independently because there was so much action going on, two SEC spring games at a time, and, and for the back end of it, there was uh, three going on at one time, so Gone back, studied it up, wanted to give a recap of each one. But before we get to that, one team didn't hold a spring game this weekend, not holding a spring game, Kentucky. Wildcats, baby. Killing it on the recruiting trail. I wanted to mention that first because big news here. The action started on Friday for the Wildcats. Mark Stoops' program reaches into the state of Tennessee and beats out the Vols for the four-star Wade Twins. Keaton Wade, a linebacker, number 16 outside linebacker in the country, number four prospect from Tennessee, and his brother, four-star athlete-slash-quarterback Destin Wade, the number 26 athlete in the country, number 13 player from the state of Tennessee. Both those guys, four stars, picked Kentucky over Tennessee. Huge blow for Josh Heupel's program. Huge boom, or Yahtzee, as they call it, in Lexington for Mark Stoops' program. Great news here. Just the, you know, the latest sign that Kentucky's beaten Tennessee out for prospects before, but I can't remember two like this, two four-stars that Tennessee really wanted. And I know Tennessee fans probably, you know, I saw some people saying, oh, my God, this is disaster for Tennessee. No, it's not. I mean, it's a it's a big deal, but you're because you're losing two prospects, Tennessee really needed to build that momentum on the recruiting show. They just got two commits this week, so 
They've got a little momentum, but this was obviously a setback. But here's the reality for Tennessee. I mean, they're not going to be able to turn things around on the recruiting trail until two things. They're going to have to have the NCAA issues resolved. We need that cleared up. And more importantly, got to see what this team is on the field. And I don't think even the spring game is going to cut it. I'm talking fall season. Is Josh Heupel's offense fun? Is it, you know, how's the quarterbacks going to look once prospects have a better feel for what that's going to look like? I think Tennessee's recruiting will pick up significantly. So not hitting the panic button if I'm Tennessee, at least not yet, as more and more in-state prospects commit to other SEC programs. But, hell, we're a long ways away from signing day. But having said all that, I mean, this is just huge news for Kentucky. And credit to uh, Mike Farrell, who we had on earlier. Well, we had him on last week talking the Wade Twins. He said his intel said Kentucky. Of course, he works for Rivals. 24-7 Sports was saying Tennessee. So, feather in the cap there to Rivals Mike Farrell. Did a great job with that one. Bringing the knowledge on this show. Really appreciate that. And then, hell, an even bigger commit. Arguably, four-star offensive lineman, Kenyatta Goodwin. One of the top offensive lineman prospects in the country. Number seven offensive tackle. Number two player from Indiana. This is an All-American type prospect. He had offers from basically every Big Ten, SEC, you name it. Goodwin had them all. He's going to Kentucky to continue that pipeline of offensive linemen from, you know, the Midwest region. It's rare for most programs to pick up three, four-star commitments in a span of two days. It's very rare for Kentucky, but hell, maybe it's a sign of things to come. We're about to see eight, maybe nine in it. Kentucky prospects drafted to the NFL. So, you know, this could be more of what we're seeing more often from Mark Stoops' program. But hey, uh, you know, we referenced it on Friday's show. We, we got our own hotline here, a voicemail. We got a call-in line for fans to call in, and we got one. And the first one comes from a Kentucky fan. So for the first time in the show history, we're going to we're gonna take uh, one of these mailbag questions from our voicemail. And this one comes from Kentucky fan Brad. Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh, my name's Brad, a uh, long-time listener. Uh, really enjoy the stuff you guys put out. Uh, my question I want to ask you guys is, uh, and I, know, I don't think you guys have talked about it yet, but uh, Kentucky, you know, they, uh, they went through a couple different running backs coaches last year. They fired Eddie Grant, and they hired a single-tip guy, and that guy left for the Eagles. What I understand, they just hired a guy named John Settle, running back coach at uh, Wisconsin. And I'm curious what you guys think about it. Uh, let me know. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I really want to hear about this. So, hope you all have a good one. Bye. All right, I know that one may have been a little bit uh, tough to hear. So he's asking us about Kentucky's new running back coach, John Settle. And I think he's right. That's something we've not hit on yet, but uh, this was about a month ago. Mark Stoops finalized his staff this offseason after losing. They hired another guy, and then he quickly turned around and got an NFL job and left again. But I think this is an upgrade for Kentucky. You know, similar to the recruiting we just hit on, New era in Wildcat football where we can steal recruits from Tennessee out of the volunteer state. We can get a top offensive lineman that teams like Ohio State want. 
I mean, that's realistic now. And now at the same time here, Mark Stoops has turned around and hired Wisconsin running back coach John Settle, who, looking over his resume, I mean, he's coached some of the best running backs in Big Ten history recent seasons. This is not a guy that Wisconsin wanted to lose, but we all know SEC a hell of a lot better than the Big Ten. And when the SEC comes calling, you want to go where the best play, where the best compete. I mean, these coaches got egos too. So I really like this hire, John Settle, some of the uh, outstanding running back coaches. He was at Wisconsin as a running backs coach for six seasons, was there for a total of 11 years. And that's about you know the entire run there that Wisconsin has been really solid. Some of the guys he's coached, Jonathan Taylor, who was named uh, first-team All-American twice, won the Doak Walker Award twice. He's coached Corey Clement, Dare Ogunwale, James White. He also coaches fullbacks. Alec Ingold, Derek Watt, all those guys played in the NFL. And then you're also talking Monty Ball, who was a Heisman Trophy finalist, also won the Doak Walker Award. And in 2009, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, John Clay. Hell of a resume for a running backs coach. And I've heard, you know, other people say, well, hell, Wisconsin, they've got all the offensive linemen. Anybody could coach those guys. He also coached James Conner at Pitt. Conner won ACC Player of the Year during the time that John Settle coached him at Pitt. So, it's not more. It's not just Wisconsin churning out these guys. It's Sean Settle being a part of that. And I know it's a new offensive system there at Kentucky, but it certainly always seems like running back coaches, those are easy guys to kind of implement into the program. And I don't think that's going to be any cause for concern. And we all know the running back, strong tradition there at Kentucky, one of the positions of strength in recent seasons, and it's going to be again. So, hey, I like this addition. I think it makes sense for both parties. Kentucky gets an upgrade. Now they've got a coach that uh, has got a hell of a track record producing elite college running backs, getting them to the NFL. That's what they're doing at Kentucky. So this seems like an outstanding hire by Mark Stoops, and it was the one that finalized his coaching staff. That's just an example of uh, you know fans being able to call in. We got a call in line now. Again, I'll give it. It's in the show notes, but... That number is uh, 615-800-5683. Give us a call. You got any questions for us? You want to be featured on the show like Brad from Kentucky was just there. So check out the call-in line. We're happy to answer any and all questions you got there. But all right, I spieled on long enough here about uh, old Kentucky. <laughs> Hell, they didn't even have a spring game. So I wanted to give show Big Blue Nation some love there. But uh, man, like I said, we had a loaded action-packed weekend there in the SEC. Let's kick it on down first to old Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Alabama held their spring game, and, you know, I thought it was uh, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, hell, it's the only one SEC televised. It was on ESPN. Everyone was excited to see Bryce Young step into that role, and it was clear as day, just like uh, we had Josh Pate on the, one of the recent shows saying he's the starting quarterback. There's no debate after seeing that game. Uh, that's not to say that uh, everything Bryce Young did was outstanding, but, I mean, hell, you got guys like Kurt Herbstreet talking about, uh, you know, the guys battling behind him just 
for the backup role. I mean, there's no mention of of start of of anyone challenging Bryce Young for that starting role. And you better believe when someone like Herb Street says that, you know, he's just re- relaying the information that uh, Nick Saban gave him leading up to the spring game. So, you know, overall, solid performance for Bryce Young. The highlight of the day there, hooked up with uh, the tight end Cameron Latou for a 59-yard touchdown. That was, you know, a really nice play. Bryce Young also had that juke move where and then he looked back the other side of the field and, and hit a guy for a big gain. So there were some flashes, but I also thought, you know, it looks like overall on that offensive side of the ball, still a work in progress. And that was something, you know, we'll get to Saban's postgame comments, but during the broadcast, he talked about the fact that he's got so many new assistants on that side of the ball. The offense isn't changing, but it seems like that has been the biggest issue there in Tuscaloosa this spring. So, you know, he, he's going to bring new energy, new enthusiasm, and new ideas. Bryce with a 10-yard uh, toss to Holden. The real challenge with the new guys on offense has been having four new coaches and only one holdover. Even though we're trying to get the same system, it's hard for those that one guy to give them all the answers to the questions. So that, that, that's been the issue. So in addition to what he had to say there, I mean, you know, many key players in new roles there, quarterback and receiver and offensive line. So it's a combination of factors, and that just – you know, leads me to continue to believe that it's going to be a work in progress on that side of the ball. Plenty of time to, you know, make to progress on that side of the ball. I'm not saying doom and gloom here for Alabama, but it opens it up for the rest of the SEC. So that's something interesting. But hell, if there's one guy that's uh, going to take that is really going to help this offense, a Jai Hall, my God, the true freshman. He looked like the next stud receiver at Alabama. My man, Joe Tessitore. I thought he was going to have an orgasm. I mean, my God, Ajay Hall, Ajay Hall. He was so damn excited about each and every play Ajay Hall had to make on the play. Now, let's kick it over to Coach Saban after the game, talking about uh, the true freshman receiver. What have you seen from Ajay Hall this spring, and is today's performance indicative of how he's performed through 15 practices in the scrimmage? Well, I think that, you know, he's a young player. He's getting better every day. Um, and I think that he has a lot of ability. I think that he's not 100% sure sometimes of what he's doing. Uh, so to get him to play fast all the time is something that he wants to do and he naturally does. But like any player, most of the time uh, when they're not sure what they're doing, they're not playing fast. And he has made significant improvement throughout the spring. And uh, he's someone that we think has a lot of potential. He makes a lot of contested catches. He's got great size. Uh, he's got really some explosive speed uh, that I think, you know, we need Mechie out there to co- and some guys to compliment, you know, John Mechie when he gets back. Um, so, you know, we're, we're pleased with his progress, and he had a very good spring. So Hall, I thought, clearly was uh, the standout from the spring. That, that was kind of my main takeaway. you got to be careful not to take too many things from these spring games, but, but hey, we work with what we got, and he looked the part, whether he's going to be a dominant player receiver year one or anything I don't think it's going to be not quite saying that but he looked like he could certainly contribute right away to Alabama's offense and that's what they're going to need with so much turnover at that position hey last thing here from coach Saban I just thought this was fantastic 
If you missed it, there was an interception. I believe it was Braxton Barker, you know, one of the backups here. But he threw a pick, and it almost turned into a pick six. And Nick Saban was uh, standing behind the quarterbacks during the spring game, barking at him. I mean, I got uh, <laughs> Saban was he's more animated than any SEC coach, closer to the action than any of them. It's still amazing how <laughs> he gets into it for these spring games, but he almost got ran over and the players did a good job avoiding him. He was asked about it after the spring game and this was uh, one of the better post-game presser comments Nick Saban's ever shared. Yeah, I know some of you guys might ask about the uh, the players in the game, but you almost got taken out on one of those interception returns. What was that moment like for you? What's, what's going through your mind when you see those guys coming at you? Well, you know, basically the players know that um, if they run into me, it's very similar to running into the goalpost. So it's not a good choice and decision for them. So they usually avoid, you know, me. And I wear a jacket like this so they can really see where I am for their safety, not really for mine. So, um, you know, they all avoided. You know, it shows athleticism on their part. And it also showed their respect for player safety by not running into me. All right, so I don't know what happens between uh, spring to fall to get Saban to drop all his personality, but it sure is great to see it when he's able to give us a little bit of insight into what's going on when he does lower his guard a little bit here and, and gives us a window into his personality. It's not often we get it, so I like to uh, point it out <laughs> when Coach lowers his guard a little bit here. And one last thing here for Alabama spring game. Now, I'm not reading too much into this, because Wilt Reichert was so good last season. Didn't miss a single field goal, if I'm not mistaken. And they were talking up, I guess, in a recent scrimmage. Same deal. Perfect. But whew, two for five in the spring game. Now, everyone has a bad day. And no one's going to remember this if he goes into next season and is elite again. But that's got to be some flashbacks to some nightmares for Alabama fans. If the kicking game, again... We're not going to have this offense that's scoring 50 points guaranteed every time. So there may come a time where Will Riker's got to decide a game or two in the fall, and if he's going two for five, that's going to be an, that's going to be an issue, obviously. So, again, one day does not define the kicker. Everything he did last season is far more important than what he did in one spring game. But that's given me a little cause for concern here. Got to get that – Got to make sure you never know when it's when it comes to Alabama and kicking woes. Aside from last season, that uh, that's been something that's haunted this program the entire Nick Saban era, seemingly. So let's hope that doesn't carry over to the fall. All right, next team on the docket. Let's jump it on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers! The Tigers held their spring game over the weekend, and man, you can see why Coach O and the coaches down there not committed continue to talk up this quarterback competition because Max Johnson, Miles Brennan each had highlights in this game. And again, you don't want to take too much away from just one performance here, but TJ Finley looked to be well behind those two. Garrett Nussmeyer does not look to be ready to be the starting quarterback, but he certainly had his highlights. I mean, he had at least one turnover here and he had one late in the game and he rallied with, uh, a touchdown basically to win the spring game in the closing moment. So he had his moments. He certainly looks like 
he could be the future of that position, but just not this season. And again, I'm talking about uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, but kind of the standout thing for me from LSU spring game, Kayshawn Butte carried over the momentum from last season. He looks like he could be the best receiver in the SEC. Now, that may be a little bit too high a praise, but he's clearly a number one. And who else they got down there to step up? I mean, they've got some receivers. Uh, Jonche Kirkland looked like a really good receiver. He could be a legit number two. Uh, one thing going into this spring game, I wanted to see if anybody, if any running back stepped up. Tyron Davis-Price, he certainly looked to be that guy. John Emery was unavailable, so Price had to kind of shoulder the load there, but you know, an exciting spring game. We've got this offense back to, naturally, they're going to compare it to the 2019 Joe Brady season, Joe Burrow year. That's going to be an unfair comparison. I mean, we're talking one of the best offenses, maybe the best offense of all time. It's not going to stack up to that, but we're starting to get, starting to see that a little bit with uh, just, you know, big plays in the passing game. Some of them didn't count. I thought even uh, Max Johnson and Miles Brennan, they each had a touchdown where, they underthrew the target. I believe uh, Miles Brennan's was Kayshawn Butte. Johnson's was to Kirkland. Receivers made great plays on, had to adjust to the ball, being slightly behind. But that's what you do. Just get your playmakers out there, give them an opportunity to make a play, and that's what those guys did. So if I'm an LSU fan, I'm pretty fired up. Just a look of the offense. It certainly looks like it's uh, going to be fun down there in Baton Rouge like it was. That's not to say that uh, they just had their way with the secondary either. Stingley had an interception. Kind of looked like, I'm trying to remember what play. I think it was from the Auburn game, but, or no, it may have been Ole Miss, where Stingley just kind of, not is not even his man, but just roaming in the backfield, see the quarterback getting ready to unload and runs to the other hash and makes a play. I mean, it was a terrific interception by Stingley. Got to get him to return to form if LSU is going to compete to win the SEC. And then one guy that I had talked about, Leading up to a Jay Ward, the safety. He made a really nice play on an interception. He had a good day. That's something Coach O talked up. The secondary, Deronta Jones, his impact on this, on these defensive backs at LSU in his first season with the Tigers. So let's kick it over to Coach O talking uh, the quarterback competition, what he saw from the offense in the spring, and on this uh, secondary led by Coach Deronta Jones. Could you kind of, I guess, break down your four quarterbacks? I mean, all, all relatively even snaps. Some played well better against the first-team defense and second-team defense. What do you see out there? You know, uh, I have to look at it on film. I'm looking at uh, Miles 11 for 15, 106. Uh, you know, uh, I think that Max was 8 of 13, 77. Garrett 7 of 12, TJ 4 of 9. You know, just uh, I think that. What you saw there today is what you've seen in spring ball. We come off the field one day, Garrett could be the best quarterback. Then the next day was TJ. Then the next day was Miles. The next day was Max. So I think that when we come back to camp, uh, we're going to have to designate certain amount of reps for certain guys and uh, give the first and second guy more reps. I think that's going to be a process during camp. I don't know what part of camp is going to happen, but we're going to have to give the first and second guy more reps uh, to see who, who's going to be a starter. Hey, Eddie, you mentioned that you know you guys weren't going to get too complicated in offense today, but you guys had some deep passes, some explosive plays. What did what did you want to see out of your offense? Yeah. Today? What did you see out of your offense? Yeah. Today? You know, I wanted to see some explosive plays, and we wanted to see some production. 
I think we got stalled a little bit on first down. I think that uh, we didn't do a good enough job on first down. We got behind the chains a little bit. Uh, our protection wasn't as good as we wanted to in our run game. And, you know, the short passing game has to improve. You know, we got an empty a lot, which was good. And we're going to get an empty. We didn't show everything. I think when you when you put uh, John Emery in there, when you put the guys that are going to be in there, we're going to have a very good offense. Hey, Ed, um, it seemed like your, your secondary was really active today. Sorry if you answered this. I, I got knocked off the no. zone for a minute. But um, they looked very good today with some interceptions and, yeah. and a lot of good things happened. Yeah, thank you for noticing. I think, yeah, I said, I think the secondary is the most improved part of the team. And again, we don't have Eli Ricks uh, coming, you know, who's going to be coming to the corner. And though we have some talented young safeties coming, but I think that Durante Jones and Corey Raymond's done a tremendous job of, you know, playing more zone coverage, uh, knowing that uh, we pattern reading a little bit. We know what uh, we have to switch some stuff off. But I tell you what, this Durante Jones is a talented, talented football coach. And I think our players have, have taken a liking to him, uh, respect him, uh, but also want to play hard for him. All right, so some good stuff from Coach O. I think he's pretty satisfied with uh, what the Tigers showed here on Saturday, and now a lot of momentum. I mean, this is probably you got to look at when you're looking around the SEC West. Who's going to contend with Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, a key, maybe Ole Miss? I don't know. I think LSU, based on what we've seen. And remember, this is uh, just the first spring with this new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. So. Strides, if they continue to get made, I mean, I think it's all legitimate that LSU is going to be competing for the division title next season. All right, next, let's head on down to Athens. Bulldogs, sick them! <laughs> My goodness, the Bulldogs were letting them rip in the G-Day game. I mean, Carson Beck, JT Daniels threw it 41 times. Carson Beck, 31. We got 87. 87 total passes here thrown in the G-Day game. And after the game, Kirby kind of alluded to that. You know, this game's kind of set up for the receivers and the defensive backs to get a ton of reps. So not probably a lot more pass heavy than Georgia will ever really get in a fall weekend here. But how could you not have watched this game come away not impressed by JT Daniels? I mean, he's really carried over that momentum we saw at the tail end of last season. He's looking like he could contend to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, not just the SEC. And the beauty of it, I've been saying this all along, I mean, there's going to be Georgia fans battling Ole Miss fans. Who's better? Matt Corral, JT Daniels. Alabama fans probably battle it out saying Bryce Young. But for Georgia, those arguments can go all offseason long. It doesn't matter. They don't need JT Daniels to be some Heisman contending quarterback. Because just look at what we saw from Zamir White, James Cook. They both looked outstanding, even in limited carries here. Just imagine how they how impressive they would have looked if they got more looks in this game, like they would in a fall game. Darnell Washington emerged. Damn, trucked a guy. I think it was a walk-on, but hell, it's still it was still impressive as hell to see him just completely bulldoze a defender. Kiaris Jackson stepping up, making good plays. And the guy... I've been touting up Adondi Mitchell, the true freshman receiver. He looks the part. He's got uh, an obvious rapport going there with JT Daniels. I thought that was important. They need some receivers to step up. Obviously, seven catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown for Adondi Mitchell. 
James Cook getting involved, as always, in the passing game. Six catches, 61 yards. This was an exciting one. And don't forget, oh, hell, I almost forgot, Kendall Milton. I mean, he scored a touchdown in the game, and he looked apart. I mean, Georgia just loaded. That's why I'm saying they need a capable quarterback. They need a quarterback to step up in these big-time games to make plays. But nine times out of ten, Georgia's going to be able to beat whoever they line up against because they've just got such a talent advantage. It's all about getting JT to step up in these big-time games that he didn't have much of an opportunity to play in last year outside of the Peach Bowl, obviously, which, hell, they did. They had a game-winning drive there at the end of it. So, all in all, an exciting day. Great day down there in Athens for the Bulldogs. I think you got to be fired up by what you're seeing. The only downside, Jake Camarda, I know, in, hell, he's an All-American-type punter. Maybe one of the best punters in the country. But we found out he's not much of a kicker. <laughs> 0 for 3 on, on field goals. Uh, Kirby said they were just kind of down a couple guys. And, hell, he's not even the starting kicker Eddie they got pod back there who hit that game winner in the peach bowl so you know not a, not that big of a deal but that was kind of the one takeaway for me of of some somewhat of a negative there and well in addition to and I got some blowback on this on Twitter but I think there's a real drop off behind JT now hopefully you don't need the backup quarterback this year but if Georgia for whatever reason has to go that route didn't see anything that we haven't seen from Stetson Bennett, average. Carson Beck, I was excited to see him. I thought he was disappointing. Missed a lot of uh, throws, plays that were at, available to be made, were not made. And Brock Vandergriff, looks like he's got a ton of potential, but he does not uh, look anywhere close to where he needs to be to be leading the Georgia Bulldogs on the field. And he shouldn't be asked. He, hell, he just got on campus. So give him a year or two. Maybe he's there, but to me, massive drop-off behind JT Daniels. He looked elite for Georgia, but again, they went to the air, what was it, 87 times here. That's going to put some big numbers up. So, you know, I don't get uh, too worked up over the 324 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions for JT Daniels. The numbers are not really the thing that stands out. It's more about just how he looked in this offense. And Kirby here says he has he's got total command of this thing. That's what you want to hear coming out of the spring if you're Georgia. Let's kick it over to Kirby Smart. How important was uh, this spring for for your offense to have uh, JT uh, for the full go? And what have you seen in terms of of, of his progress uh, as your as your leader? Uh, he's got command of the offense. Um, he's got he's got to be able to utilize the pocket, and we work on that each and every day. I know Coach Munkin. Uh, is always driving that home uh, with him, his ability to move in the pocket, step up. The offensive line's got to protect him and give him an opportunity. There were some times today that there were four-man rushes and we got some pressure and guys got pushed back into him. And I think that's important to allow him to step up in the pocket and move around and make make plays down the field. Uh, but he has command of it. He understands it. Uh, the key is his decision-making process. We know the quarterback position, there's probably a decision has to be made every single play and uh, he manages that really well for us. And the last thing here for the Bulldogs, I mean, because I, I got some kind of blowback for this as well. But, well, hell, what about the secondary? They must suck. They had a couple interceptions. I don't think they looked overmatched. I just think Georgia was making some plays here. So the work to be done, certainly, for the defensive backfield in, in Athens. They've got Tyke Smith, the uh, transfer from West Virginia. He's not on campus yet, so we could be getting him back. 
I saw some big hits from those guys. Saw some plays being made. But, hey, it's just this is the way college football is. If you got elite receivers and an elite quarterback, they're going to put up yards. They're going to make plays. It's about having defensive backs that can break it up every now and again and make a play on the ball, make an interception or two like they did in this game. So I'm not worried about Georgia's defensive backfield based on what we saw on Saturday either. They've got some playmakers out there that uh, are capable of stepping up and making big-time plays. All right, next let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Razorbacks, man. Again, theme of the day on almost all these spring games. Offense ruled the day. KJ Jefferson. Man, I'm glad I've been hyping him up because he lived up to it on Saturday. He's the man. Sam Pittman says he's, this guy's got full command of the offense, and it looked like it. Hell, it took 83 seconds for Arkansas to score. KJ Jefferson connects with Traylon Burks. And then immediately Mike Woods for a touchdown on just took two big pass plays. And, man, they just carried over that momentum basically the entire time. K.J. Jefferson making big plays with his legs. Nearly scored a touchdown on uh, the very next possession with his legs. And then he he later connected with T.J. Burks for another big touchdown. And, you know, that's not to say Malik Hornsby is uh, some scrub either. I mean, he looked pretty good. I think there's a, a clear separation between the two, Jefferson and Burks. But I love... Jefferson to be one of the breakout players in the entire conference next season. And you see why. He's got so many weapons around him. I mean, between Jefferson, Woods, with Burks and Woods, and even Trey Knox was making plays in this game. TJ Hammonds had a nice 18-yard run in this one. And then someone that I'm not even too familiar with, Dominique Johnson, redshirt freshman running back. My God, I mean, he looked like maybe the best running back on the roster, Traylon Smith didn't play by design, according to Sam Pittman. So just so many weapons for the Razorbacks and K.J. Jefferson at his disposal that, man, I think this offense is poised to explode this season. And like I said, hell, we're probably going to see some Malik Hornsby. I mean, he seemed like, you know, his potential is through the roof. And, hell, he looks like one of the fastest players on the team. I thought he looked his best on the day. Whenever he was rolling out, he can very accurate on the run. That's a trait that uh, a lot of quarterbacks wish they had. Not many do. Malik Hornsby's got it. So I think Arkansas's got capable backup in Malik Hornsby. And, and I hell, I think they're going to see him. We're going to see him on the field because they're going to, they may need him the way that uh, they run KJ Jefferson. And, you know, you never hope for a guy to get hurt. But hell, maybe Arkansas blows out some teams. Hornsby, maybe he's taking that knee against. Texas <laughs> on the third and goal in Fayetteville. Who knows? But I liked what I saw, man. And hell, the kicking. Five for five, field goal kicking. That's something you you had to see if you're the Razorbacks. Got to get that cleared up. Two different kickers finish the day perfect. And how about Jalen Catalan? My God. Looking like an All-American back there. We already knew he's one of the best defensive players in the SEC looking like one of the best players in the nation. Every damn hit, he seems to be a hit stick for that guy. So he's continuing that momentum. I thought the offensive line, you know, that was something I was looking for. Not always a strength. At times, they were getting push, but other times, critical third and short, I didn't think they got the push they needed. And for anyone worrying at all about the Arkansas defense, not that you should be at all, but just with some of these stats being thrown out here by 
the Razorbacks. K.J. Jefferson, 153 passing yards, two touchdowns. Malik Hornsby, 144 and a touchdown. Sam Pittman, after the spring game, said, hell, Barry Odom only really had only four calls he was making. Kept it very vanilla on defense. And I think that kind of showed, although the defense did a really good job on third down. The offense only converted seven of 23 on third down. So that's something got to get corrected on offense. But again, stellar defense. So it's a win-win for Arkansas when things like that happen. But very impressed by the Razorbacks. Still, I'm hyping up that train. I think the offense is going to explode. Anyone thinking that it's going to take a step back for Felipe Franks, I think that's dead wrong. And you're getting that from Sam Pittman after the spring game. When you got one of your quarterbacks that's got complete command of the offense, that's exactly what you want to hear going into an offseason of quarterback competition. And that's what they've got in K.J. Jefferson. And then on quarterbacks, how did you think how did you think they looked, particularly KJ and, and Malik? Yeah, I was really pleased with both of them. Um, uh, and I thought KJ couldn't have had a a, a better start. You know, uh, did some really nice things there. I think he's uh, certainly maturing, and he's got command of the team. His team teammates believe in him, and and that's that's hard to you have to earn that at quarterback. He certainly has. I just think when when uh, we're able to run him, uh, I think he's going to become a very, very, very good quarterback for us. Uh, right now, obviously, with tagging off and those things like that, you're not calling any type of quarterback runs because they're not going to get many yards, you know, if you block it up good and get an arm tag and it's down plus two. So I think once we're able to use everything that he has, but I do believe that because uh, – because of that situation, he became a better thrower uh, this spring. Coach, I just wanted to get your impressions of how KJ specifically did throwing the ball down the field. Do you believe he's you know, upped his accuracy there this spring? Well, I really do. You know, I, I, I'd have to go look back at every throw that he, that he made. But I can tell you this, when I was standing out in the field, I was going, it'd be hard not to like this kid as, at quarterback because he's big, he's strong, commanding, and he was he was on point. And uh, so I don't know every single throw that he made, but I know I, as a head coach, I was sitting back there going, I'm, I'm damn glad he's our quarter, quarterback. And then also with Hornsby, I was wondering if you could touch on his decision-making and, and what you specifically thought of his play today. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him. You know, he, he, he I thought he was uh, way more accurate than what he had been in the past. He had great command of the offense out there. And, and again, I, I believe he'll be a better player when we're allowed to uh, use the quarterback as a, as a runner a little bit more, but uh, I thought he had a good day. I thought he was uh, much more accurate than, than what he had been uh, early in spring. All right. And then I said, Dominique Johnson, I mean, he flashed in this spring game. He looked very impressive given the running back, giving Arkansas, Another running back there, six attempts, 59 yards, nearly 10 yards of carry here. My God, 25-yard long rush. Sam Pittman said uh, Dominique Jackson is someone they're going to be counting on in the fall. And then I wanted you to get your thoughts on the way Dominique Johnson ran the ball. And is he a guy who can really factor into your, your rotation at Tilt? I think he has to. You know, we, we he, he's the big back guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the big back that we have. Obviously, Rocket Sanders. Uh, is another guy we're trying to groom to be a, a, a bigger back out there. But, 
you know, he when he turns his shoulders and goes downhill, you know, he he's hard to bring down in the short yardage uh, area in the short area. So we certainly hope he will factor into that. Uh, uh, trailing, uh, we did not play much today, but uh, that was planned. So that puts a bow on Arkansas spring. One clip I thought Razorback fans would really appreciate. Sam Pittman just so fired up, so they didn't even have a single bad practice this spring. Coach, overall, are you pleased with what you were able to get accomplished this this spring? Very pleased, yes. I don't think we had a bad practice. And that don't have nothing to do with me. That has to do with the assistant coaches and our players. But I don't think we had a bad practice. I think we moved forward each day. And I love this football team. And uh, and I love them because of the way they come to work every day. So, yeah, we, we got better. And we'll, we will get better. We'll continue to get better just because of the character of the kids that we have on our team. All right, next, let's head on down to the Plains. War damn eagle. It was a day on the Plains. And how could you come away from that and not been impressed with Tank Bigsby? My goodness. Returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. I know it certainly seemed like uh, the kicker didn't give any effort, but who are we kidding? The kicker was not going to bring down Tank Bigsby. He was probably trying not to be on uh, Sports Center for getting trucked or anything like that. But uh, then Tank had a big, and later in the game, Tank had a big touchdown run, 46 yards. Tank certainly lived up to the hype on Saturday. And, you know, the guy everybody is wondering, Bo Nix, how will he look? It's almost uh, comical, the reactions you see online. Auburn fans having a good time with all the positive reactions from Bo Nix. But, you know, the main takeaway I saw, two things with Bo. It really seemed to have cleaned up his fundamentals and his footwork in particular. And that's something that I don't think enough people talk about when it comes to quarterback position. He was just going the wrong direction last season and looked unsure of himself even in the pocket when no pressure. And I know that scrimmage situation, you know, they can't even hit him. So totally different animal here. But Bo Nix just looked way more comfortable in this offense. And the big thing, and another key there, it certainly looks like in this new offense, they're going to ask him to run around a lot. And that is something I have no clue. Gus Malzahn seemed to like they saved it for the big games or something. And that's the strength of Bo Nix's game. Whether it's just running the ball as a design play or getting him out of uh, the pocket, throwing on the run, got to get more Bo Nix on the ground. And I thought, uh, you know, unless they add another quarterback, he's going to be the starting quarterback. I'm not saying Bo Nix is going to be some breakout player here, but I think with Mike Bobo, Brian Harson. In this offense, they can salvage him, make him a solid player. And that's what you're looking for if you're Auburn realistically. Just get something out of him that you, that you didn't have before. Sean Shivers, another one, to go along with Tank Bigsby. He had a hell of a day. We've seen Shivers, and he was banged up all last season. I don't want to say he had a disappointing year, but if he can get back to the form we saw in 2019, I mean, we, we got a hell of a one-two combo here at Auburn. I think that's huge. And the freshman quarterback, Demetrius Davis, he passed the eye test. Again, you know, you can't take away too much from any of these spring games. You know, a lot of the plays getting made against backups and walk-ons and things of that nature, but he looked the part. He looks like he's going to be a hell of a quarterback down the line for Auburn. I, again, I'm not saying he's going to compete with Bo Nix to get the starting job 
this season. I don't, I didn't see anything that uh, suggested that, but I think he's probably going to be your backup quarterback, and he's got a lot of the same traits as Bo. Get him out on the run. May have a little bit better of a deep ball than Bo Nick. So I think uh, I think he got a real quarterback there in Davis. Got to be fired up with that if you're Auburn. Uh, only the main takeaway for me, and I know not all the guys played, but receivers. We need, didn't see a ton from the receivers there at Auburn. So, hell, it's not like Mike Bobo didn't have that last season. He adjusted fairly well. Uh, the offense wasn't the problem at uh, South Carolina last season. So how do they adjust? I don't want to say issues at receiver, but they need some guys to step up. That was uh, kind of evident to me watching this Auburn spring game. But uh, let's kick it over to Brian Harson. The the only quote worth sharing here was uh, his talk on Bo Nix, how he looked. And it, this is a mix of Bo Nix commentary and, and just the entire offense kind of needing to get on the same page. Some issues, there was a couple fumbles lost, including one by Tank Bigsby. So this is not a team that is going to be able to beat a lot of people in the SEC West if they're turning the ball over next season. So I think that's going to be something they harp on moving forward. Brian, you said that you saw a solid execution out of the first-team offense. What did you see specifically from Bo and kind of running the new scheme? Well, he made good decisions. That was one of the things. Uh, you, know, you see Bo, he's got escapability. You know that he can throw it. And I thought he made good decisions. He checked the ball down. We had some deeper throws that were, that were called, but they weren't open, so he checked it down. He found the underneath throw. He made good decisions in the red zone. There was chances to possibly scramble and throw one, and he pulled it down and ran it and we were able to get us in a first down situation. We had the turnover, we had the fumble. I thought we were driving well. We had a couple fumbles in there and you know those are those hurt us. You got to be able to hang on to the ball. And so we're going to go back and work through those. But overall his his efficiency and, and making decisions was one. I thought the other thing is he you won't we wouldn't know this but getting us into the right play. There were some check plays and different things that we had called that he has to make decisions on. Uh, we changed the tempo up several times, and so he's got to be able to communicate that. So there's really a, several things in there that and I thought Coach Bobo did a good job of really challenging him and making him operate. And that's and that's what you want to see from your quarterback. You just want to see him operate all the different things. And in a scrimmage, it may not even be that much in a real game. You kind of have a plan for the game, but in a scrimmage, you're taking everything from the 14 practice or 13 practices we've had, and you have it all in one plan. And so you're just recalling different things. He was able to do that. Ultimately, uh, the ability to make great decisions. Uh, we made some really good throws. I thought he had a couple that, that we needed to come down with. And the guys around him, you, you got to go up and make plays. And there's some of those opportunities that we could have done that. And, and we ran some wrong routes. He's got the, the bead on where he wants to go with the ball, and we didn't run the right route. And again, you know, nobody sees that from the stands. We know it as coaches. We know it as players. And you're not quite sure what's happening, but there was some some uh, poor execution in some of those areas. And, and he was able just to move on. He moved on to the next play. That one didn't go well. On to the next play, we convert a second or a third down. We move the ball. We're able to put points on the board. And I think one of the things Bo has, he's a weapon. When you get out there and run, you can see he's got the ability to extend plays and make plays. And he did that today. So I felt like it was solid. I think when guys around him, are playing well, and it's not just that position. Guys around him are playing well, and they're, we're running the ball effectively. We're making we're making catches. I think we're capable of making. Then you know our quarterback's going to play really well, and he's he's going to play excellent at times. But that's that's really about everybody on the offensive side uh, helping that position and creating those opportunities for for the quarterback. But 
overall solid. I want to go back and watch it. There's going to be plenty of things that we nitpick. Uh, and that's the one thing about that group. I think Coach Bobo's done a good job. That's what you should do with that position. Really, every position is, is really analyze it and, and evaluate every little detail, break it down, and then work on what you have to to fix it. All right, next, let's kick it on down to Starkville where the Bulldogs held their spring game. And, you know, I got to be honest, I thought uh, the defense still remains ahead of the offense. That's not what uh, necessarily you want to see and certainly not what Mike Leach wants to see. We'll get to his uh, post-game comments here in a minute, but he seemed pretty pissed off just given the inconsistencies of the offense. Will Rogers... I thought he was kind of up and down. Jack Abraham started slow, then came on strong. We may have ourselves a true competition here. Still like Will Rogers, though. I mean, again, never read too much into just one game. I think Will Rogers has got tons of potential to be one of the breakout players here in the SEC. But an unfortunate news here, Jaden Wally hurt in the game. And he had to be helped off the field. So hopefully that's not a huge issue, Mike Leach. Would not get into it. Said he's 100%, but uh, he was being facetious when he made those comments. Uh, I thought the offensive line still kind of struggling a little bit. Now, the way Leach uh, kind of bre- breaks it down, they, this is not a situation where it's the ones versus the twos or anything like this. It's just the team divided. So uh, that creates competition, he says, is what it's supposed to do. But what it really created was uh, inconsistencies across the board. So, You know, I thought uh, for the most part, Mississippi State's defense looked pretty solid. One guy on offense I thought really stood out was Dylan Johnson, the running back. One of the more underrated running backs in the SEC, Jaquarius Spivey. I mean, he was robbed of a touchdown, really great pass from Jack Abraham. Then he comes back and gets another on one where Abraham just put it in the perfect spot. So that was a nice little one-two right there. And then uh, Abraham did another one with, uh, had another really good Malik Heath, man, who was really coming on at the tail end of last season, started to finally live up to that potential. So that's great to see that he's carried that over to the spring. First score of the game was the defense, though. Again, the defense ahead. Emmanuel Forbes picked off five interceptions last season, got himself another one in this one. This That guy is just an incredible ball hawk. I mean, he may be the SEC's top corner that nobody's talking about. So defense... Holding its own there. Zach Arnett, I continue to sing his praises. I don't think enough people paying attention to what's going down on the defensive side of the ball of Starkville. But uh, like I said, Mike Leach was none too thrilled at this one. Didn't like the energy. Didn't like the execution on offense. Let's kick it over to Coach. And he's also asked about uh, Jack Abraham, the Southern Miss transfer, who more than held his own in this one. You said a week ago that you liked uh, competitive and fun spring games. Did this meet your uh, expectations in those regards? No, it didn't. Uh, I didn't think we had particularly good energy. I thought that, uh, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily execute enough on offense that the defense was challenged much, but I didn't think they ran to the ball particularly well. I mean, we just got to coach him better. I mean, Start with me. I don't. Uh, I obviously didn't set the stage uh, to the point where I was likely to achieve a scrimmage to my satisfaction. But um, <clears throat> you know that happens sometimes, and that's uh, uh, <clears throat> that's why you have them. I thought that uh, you know a good scrimmage you can hear. You don't even have to see. Uh, you're able to hear it because you hear pads hitting and stuff like that. 
<clears throat> this particular scrimmage, you wouldn't have heard much. Mike, um, impressions on um, on Jack today, and how'd you think he did? <clears throat> I thought he uh, I thought he came out uh, I thought he came out and played tight initially. Uh, then I thought he got better as uh, as he began to relax a little bit. Some of it, though, we we weren't, uh, uh, you know, we we were just up and down as far as uh, who was where when, and that happens too. I mean, a portion of it has to do with the fact that we split the squad in half, so there's a lot of guys that aren't uh, real synchronized as far as working beside one another. Uh, so what it does is give you a chance to make it competitive, but also uh, makes it sloppy, which it, you know, it it was less competitive than I'd hoped, uh, and it was uh, uh, it was every bit as sloppy as I thought it might be. Do you think that he's progressed much uh, as the spring has gone on, and and ultimately, do you think that he could be a guy that could maybe challenge Will? Uh, down the line for for that job in the fall camp, or is it kind of early to tell? I thought he's progressed. I think it's early to tell. Uh, I think the quarterback position's wide open. Um, you know, we channeled more reps to Will because he's performing better early. But um, you know, whoever can uh, move the ball downfield the best uh, is in the end going to be the quarterback here. All right, final spring game. We want to hit on this one real quick. We don't have any uh, coach comments from Clark Lee Vanderbilt. Let's jump on down to Nashville, where they still ain't got no numbers on their jerseys. <laughs> and they didn't provide stats after this thing, and I wonder why. It's probably because no one could tell who in the hell is making the plays. But one guy that did make plays it was obvious, Mike Wright, the sophomore quarterback, you know, kind of written this guy off, maybe to an extent, just because of uh, how good Ken Seals looked at times last season. And everybody's thinking that uh, the future of the Vanderbilt offense is going to be built around Ken Seals. And again, not not to take too much away from uh, just one spring game, but Mike Wright, my God, he was the star of the show. Three touchdowns, two through the air, one rushing. He looked like the best player of Vanderbilt's team. And then uh, the third string, Jeremy Musa, he came in, he looked pretty good too, so... I don't know. We may have a little bit of a quarterback competition here. And and I know the law firm left. That was a blow. But uh, Ramon Davis, living up to the hype. And we've had, I can't remember who it was we had on the show, but we had a, somewhat of Vanderbilt. I was asking him about Ramon Davis. Said the, uh, the former, I believe from Temple is where they got this guy. He looked outstanding. So I don't think Vanderbilt's going to have many issues, even with uh, Henry Brooks gone. At least in the transfer portal, I guess he could still return. I've not heard anything from him since he entered the transfer portal. But if he doesn't come back, Davis looks like the real deal. And kind of, you know, the main takeaway I had from this one was just Vanderbilt's offense still remains light years ahead of the defense. They've got a lot of work to do in Nashville on that defensive side of the ball. But, uh, hell, I mean, if that's the way college football is going, man. You want an exciting offense. You got to have the quarterbacks. Looks like Vanderbilt's got two, if not three of them to build around. Uh, the offense, probably going to be the side of the ball that stands out. Clark Lee's first year, ton of work to do on that defense. But uh, that was my main takeaway from old Vanderbilt's spring game. From what I could tell, hell, I, like I said, without the <laughs> no jersey numbers, it was hard to read what in the hell was going on there. But man alive, man, I spieled and spieled on this one. So much coverage. I loved it. 
Man, Saturday, this was one of the best Saturdays of the offseason. Seven spring games. And next weekend, we got several more. We got Ole Miss, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Tennessee. Four spring games coming at you next weekend. Get the same type of coverage. Just wanted to start the week strong here. And check out that uh, we got that call-in line. Again, that, uh, that number's in the show notes, so you can check that out. Hope you guys uh, thought that was pretty neat, introducing that to the show. We're going to hopefully have more and more of those this offseason and heading into the, the college football season. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it, man. I'm going to wrap this one up. About to pass out from talking so much. But uh, <laughs> thanks for sticking it through here. And hope you guys enjoyed all the spring football on Saturday because I know I sure as hell did. Ready to start the week strong and hope you guys appreciated this one. But that's going to do it for this one. On the next one, catch you all on the next one.